Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 85. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever hung out with a bunch of people who were all the same? They always did the same things, always discussed the same topic, always joined in the same rants. For good or bad, the fun only lasts so long in that kind of situation. If that described the majority of our friendships, there would certainly be something missing. What is it about our friendships that make us grow as people and enrich our lives? In this episode, we'll cover one answer to that question that often goes under the radar. Check it out. You know, I found the most incredible piece of art. The finest work probably since the David was sculpted. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, I'm not a painter, but the sublime beauty of the magenta motifs codify the uh, sub-eloquence of the line-space-matrix theory, and doesn't it? Can't see it? It's all right, neither can I. I mean, a slab of solid color may evoke many things, but interest, or the, the adjective of artistic, Probably not on the top of that list, is it? You ever see a handful of friends that can be as interesting and artistic as this slab of solid color? Where every get-together they have, every day that they're together or night that they hang out, it's the same. We have many a tradition about New Year's uh, in Chicago. And while we we often try to go back for it, and it's great to see our friends and everything like that, but you can almost set your clock by where the New Year's Eve party is going and where it's at. And after 15 years of basically the broken record of the party, no, these are not at mom's place anymore, so. (laughs) You did start it. You kept it interesting. But after 15 years or so of basically putting the same party on repeat, you kind of ask yourself, why are we doing this again? And as we talk about this idea of friendships, how do we keep our friendships from being that way? Where it's just broken recordness. How do we keep it interesting? How do we keep our friendships in a place where we are constantly growing and learning and we are enriched by those relationships? Well, I promise you, the answer is not in ditching our friends. And the Bible doesn't even give so much a how-to, because it's not so much about being a certain friend or acting a certain way is going to result in this, but it's more about the picture of the friendships that we put together. And John does an incredible job at painting a picture that we're going to use as the engine to look at this idea. Out of Revelation 7, John's writing this, and he says, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, 
and to the Lamb. That's quite the image. And you know what? These two verses are God's endgame. The final picture, if you will, of what I believe God has designed. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people, all in one place. Now, did they all speak the same language? No. Were they all of the same color or from the same country? No. Were they all from the same economic level? I'm going to guess, no. And yet this is the picture God chooses to give John as an image of hope. Because he's writing to people who are being persecuted, killed, jailed, you know, for those historians among you, I know we've got some. Imagine the Colosseum in Rome at its worst. And here is what the church is going through, what Christians are going through. And God gives John this message, this picture, as a sign of hope. So let's kind of reverse engineer the picture a little bit and see what, for our part, we can glean in our relationships, in our friendships, this angle of relationship that we don't often talk about very much. Because it can be very easy to hang out with people that we like, right? That are like us. If you're similar to somebody, the odds go up that you're going to enjoy hanging out with them. And that's okay. That's all right to acknowledge. So long as we acknowledge it. But if that's the only way that we put our friends together... Those who are like us, who think like us, who act like us, who are in the same class or race or language as us, something ends up missing. I mean, take the Hell in a Handbasket clan, okay? The group that gets together, and before long, there's always the theme. The world's going to Hell in a Handbasket, and it's XYZ group's fault, what in the world does the world have against handbaskets anyway? I mean, between that and underwater basket weaving, and handbaskets get a bad rap. But it's not hard to think of a dinner group that would have that sort of way about them. Right? They get together, and before long, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's going to come up. How much can we glean? How enriched can we be by a broken record like that? I mean, if all my friends were like me, I, I get pretty sick of looking at myself in the mirror all the time, and that's sort of what it would be like, right? My favorite songs, I can only listen to them so much before I'm ready to go nuts. Here's the thing. The world will help us to do this as well, to organize our life just around what is similar to us. Let's say you have an opinion on a certain topic any random topic, and you find a news channel or website that has a story that fits your opinion or your perspective about the issue. Odds are you're going to keep listening to that channel or watching that station, reading that website or that blog, and getting more of somebody who agrees with your perspective. Totally brilliant, right? The internet works the same way where let's say you do a search on Google for parenting tricks. I'm trying to find the most neutral topic I can think of. 
It'll take you about a half an hour before every ad, every search result, every post that comes up is gonna be about the demographic of parents. Because that's what you looked for, and hey, you might be interested in this, since this is sort of your, your vein, your place in life, or however it, the algorithms put it together. I said I chose a neutral topic for that example, but it really works with any topic. Hot button, just as well. It's called confirmation bias. It's the ability to seek out things that confirm your perspective on something. And I get why we do that, where if we're interested in a certain angle on something, we look for things that are similar to it. I get why Google does it. Hey, you might be interested in this if this was something you were looking for or reading previously. But what if that's how our only way of interpreting the world? What if that were the only way that we chose our friends? Now it starts to get a little closer to home. Let's bring it even closer. Since we got the chili cook-off next week, we're going to do ourselves some cooking here. What if I came next week with my crock pot, and I took a can of beans, and I put it in the crock pot? Now, a couple of you have been to chili cook-offs or cooking competitions in general. What are my odds of ending up winning the chili department of the chili cook-off with that tactic? Probably not too good. Don't place many bets on, on me winning that one. What if I enter the dessert competition? Because by the way, we have chili, we have cornbread, and we have dessert. Shameless plug. And I walk up to the table, and I drop five pounds of sugar. And say, here's my entry. What are my odds of winning? Now, as Dave said, it truly depends on how many quarters are in the hands of eight-year-olds as they vote for my five-pound bag of sugar. Or if I put Jerry Dilgard's name on it, I might be able to get a couple of votes just out of name recognition. But let's face it, sugar, if it's the only ingredient, it only takes about a spoon or two and it just starts tasting nasty. No matter how good it is, mixed in with other things. A crock pot full of beans, I mean, doesn't even take a spoonful for that to just be nasty. But what if, okay, in the midst of all this, maybe it's dangerous to have everybody in your life be exactly the same. What if there is somebody, a friend, a coworker, whatever, that doesn't share my beliefs, doesn't have the same viewpoint as me? Perfect. Because watch this. Take something you value that's really important to you. I happen to just be using a chess piece for the sake of illustration. And hold it in one hand. And shake hands with somebody else. Now, this could be somebody that I totally disagree with. And we are two independent people. We, I'm sure that fits the bill. But did I lose what was important to me in this hand by extending my hand to somebody else? No. Did it break? Or did it lose value because I shook hands with somebody who was different than me? No. In fact, maybe I even learned how to value this more by holding on to it. You know, the things that we value, the things that we are important to us, the point isn't to try and ditch them. We're allowed to have things that are dear to us. 
but we can hang on to them and shake hands with somebody different than us at the same time. Now, when it comes to issues of faith, to speak to that perspective, there was a theologian from Germany who really nailed this idea. When he said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. There are certain things as Christians we hang on to, like, you know what, this is just core to who we are, and if you don't hang on to that, we're going to agree to disagree. There are things in tradition, across times, and across cultures that maybe we morph. The idea of you have style, you have men always wearing hats in church. That used to be a thing. Now we have the liberty, because it's really not an essential, to change how we do that. But in all things, charity. Now let's take this a bit broader, uh, thematically, beyond just the idea of faith to just about anything. Can we learn from somebody who has a different perspective than us? Absolutely. Can we learn from somebody whom we totally disagree with? Absolutely. Even if just learning how to disagree in love. And we were saying earlier, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, you know, we can demonstrate that even when we totally disagree with somebody. Because I can hang on to what's important to me and shake hands and hold those two in harmony with each other. I love this idea that Malcolm Forbes put out. It says, diversity is the art of thinking independently together. That we can be in harmony even if we are not in perfect sync. Even if we're at a place where we say, you know what, I'm going to agree to disagree. When I was in seminary, probably the most pivotal time of the experience was my internship at the Church of the Good News on the north side of Chicago. Let me give you a bit, a bit of the fuller story here. Um, I had the op- option of two internships. One, literally right down the street, entirely like me. I mean, I, though I am from Chicago, I am about the poster child of suburban Chicago life. Could have been paid would have had like a half-mile commute, entirely white congregation, entirely, I mean, reformed to the core, or I could go to Chicago. Drive an hour plus, depending on the day. Don't get paid. Be, let's just say I was the minority as far as economics and race. And yet, being in that position, choosing that position, To be the one kind of on the visiting team was the experience that changed me the most. Because, oh boy, I learned what it was like to be the different kid. And the times when that learning skyrocketed, when I'm around people who are different than me in just about every way other than the fact that at the core we were human beings, was when I just shut up and listened. I'm going to go back to God's image for a minute here. Back to verse 10. They cried out in a loud voice. All these people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, they cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. I said that this is God's image of hope. 
to a church that is being beat up seven ways from Sunday. And of all the diversity that are in this picture, you could translate it, they cried out in one voice. Singular. All the nations, all the tribes, all the differences cried out in one voice. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Paul writes to the Galatians. He says, there are no longer Jew or Greek. There are no longer slave or free. There are no longer male or female. You don't get much more at the core than that. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. The gospel is so powerful, it can bring all that diversity together. It is so powerful, it can save the American just as fast as it can save the Israeli. It is so powerful, it can save the welfare family just as quick as the Wall Street billionaire. That is our hope. Our hope is in a God who chose diversity as the palette for his creation and the power that that God put into the good news of his son Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you this week. You choose the topic, you choose the means, but I'm going to say push yourself a little bit to explore a perspective that is different than yours. Ultimately, I'd say the best version, if it's possible, is to actually get together and sit with somebody who thinks differently than you, who maybe has a different perspective, a different background that will color how they look at things. Maybe read somebody whom you may ultimately disagree with. And I'm not saying you'll ultimately agree or that you'll come to some kind of consensus, but do it with the hope of learning. Do it with the hope of growing. Last week I had said, you know, as we were talking about the idea of friendship being about thinking about other people first, I'm going to say you can actually be selfish about this. And say, I'm going to do this so that I can learn. So I can grow. And you know what? When we have friendships that do this kind of thing, it's pretty incredible. And you would be amazed at who you can talk to, who you can hang on to what's important and still extend a hand of friendship with. It'd be amazing who you can do that with and not get struck by lightning. What a concept. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.